Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. All right, uh, we're going to try to do a live session here, and we're recording a T-Bone Speaks podcast episode. Uh, We're going to do it live as well, and we have a few questions uh, that have been submitted um, that we'll be answering. Uh, And Everything today is going to be based around our Practice Pivot uh, series of podcasts. So we released eight podcasts over the last eight, uh, over previous eight weeks. Uh, and then we also have the ebook uh, that is out there for people to download as well. So you can get that at dentalpracticepivot.com, and it's a free ebook um, to do that. Uh, but before we get started, I want to go ahead and talk about today's sponsor, and that sponsor would be me. <laughs> so uh, the T Bone Speaks podcast is sponsored by. 3D Dentist, which um, I started in 2013 and has grown tremendously. And, you know, dentistry is facing significant challenges, corporate dentistry, insurance companies, team members, direct-to-consumer, and we're all trying to figure out what we can do and how we are going to survive in the long term. And really what 3D Dentist is about is about combining business skills with the clinical skills to focus on being able to actually implement services without having to grow up patient base that will actually move the needle in our practice. So if you'd like to get more information, all you have to do is visit tbonespeaks.com or 3d-dentists with an s.com. So um, I'm joined by Meredith. Meredith, I didn't know you were going to wear such a bright <laughs> shirt today. <laughs> what, what, what I had you? to wear my neon Orange shirt, so you knew I was here. Well, I get. Well, when you walked in, I was like, "Holy smokes!" Forgot I had this. Didn't I, well, you? I, I think I have one yeah, too I somewhere that I'm probably never going to wear. Few years old. I mean, I, I don't know how that'd go it's, against my skin tone. It's a, it would look good. It's pumpkin season, so I thought I'd just dress up. Yeah. Wear this shirt. All right. So, what are we going to be doing today, Meredith? Okay. So today I have four or five questions that you guys have submitted. Um, at asktbone.com. You can also leave them in the comments below. Um, but before we get started on those questions, I have picked out a review from iTunes. Probably another positive review. Yes. So Why don't if you, you ever guys, put any of the negative reviews up? <laughs> if you guys haven't heard, I am picking a review each podcast, and we will be sending you some special 3D swag. So leave us a review. 
On iTunes. Yes. This one came from Alexander Phillips. He said, just as great in person. I got the chance at Densply Serona World 2019 to see T-Bone lecture on full arched fixed hybrids and to meet T-Bone in person. He's just as great as he is in his podcast. Great sense of humor, engaging, and is able to boil complex ideas into easy to understand bites and concepts. As a new graduate, I don't know what I would do without mentors like T-Bone out there who are openly sharing advice to his fellow colleagues of all ages. The podcast has been a godsend, and I've recommended it to a few fellow new grads. T-Bone, I love what you do. Thank you for being so much for being uplifting to the dental community. I'm hardly uplifting, <laughs> Meredith. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a D-word sometimes, you know. Well, we'll take it for what he said. Okay? Well, 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 I think we make sure you send him a few yes. dollar bills yeah. <laughs> along with that. Uh, so He's let's not bribe. Let's... <laughs> Let's dive in uh, to our first question. All right. So, Dr. Glennell Smith asks, I'm a first-year practice owner and have been following your podcast for the last year. I'm interested in learning more and what courses do I need to take to evolve my practice into delivering the emotional dentistry that you speak of. I did a GPR and did implant placement, but that was a while ago. What CE journey do you recommend? Well, I think, um, I think, um, well, I have a couple of answers on this one. Okay. So I think first, when you're a first-year practice owner and you're just getting started, I think we'll just stick to this one view. I'm tired of switching <laughs> things back and forth. Trying to be fancy. Um, I think when you're a first-year practice owner, I don't think your number one concern should be the emotional dentistry. And so for those that are, aren't familiar with what I mean, what's their meaning by emotional dentistry, I talk about three steps in, in, dental, in a dental practice. Step one is you got to develop a great general practice. And that's, you know, that's a good hygiene base. That's something that's sustainable, that's survivable, that can get you through recessions. And you create a good base of patients, okay? And then from that base of patients, you can pick out advanced dentistry. And what advanced dentistry is, that, that'll that be, like for me, that's like single-tooth implants. That might be some sleep appliances. That might be, you know, some CAD cam restorations, different things like that that require technology, require some advanced skills. That's advanced dentistry. And then the goal from, from that is to then develop an emotional component to your practice. And what that to me is, is that'll be smile makeovers. That'll be full arch implant cases. That'll be, you know, more complex sleep apnea cases where you have a tremendous uh, familial life changing for the yeah. patient, you know, maybe some orthodontic cases. Uh, in our practice, we only use clear aligners, but something along that line. So I think, you know, quite frankly, I think there's a tendency sometimes to get a little bit ahead of ourselves, and I, I think it's I think it's fair and safe to focus on general dentistry when we first get started and dabble in a little advanced dentistry. And I think the most important CE class that anybody should take uh, right out of school is figure out how to communicate with patients, whether that's just practicing in a mirror, whether that's role playing. I don't think uh, practices do enough role playing uh, to really um, make things work in their practice. I know that you guys get uncomfortable in the office <laughs> when I want to do role playing, but it's yeah. so important. It is. You know, and um, I think one of the things we started recently is I'm sitting with the front office team with Michelle, Tatiana, and, and uh, Madison. I do remember she just Madison. started. So I'm just and it was another M. You start at the I M's know. and go down the line. I know, I know. 
Um, so once a week I'm sitting with them and we're reviewing phone calls and right. we're playing them and we're talking about what can we do better. And the response to that last week was much better than I expected from them. I thought they were going to hate that, but I think what, what I found was that they want to do, they, yeah. they want to do better. Right. Right. Uh, and certainly they're tired of me complaining about it. So, yeah. um, you know, so don't focus on that. Focus on what I call becoming, going from a level one to a level two practice. And for me, that's going from what I focused on was going from single tooth dentistry and giving a patient a chance to say yes to quadrant dentistry. You can't get people to accept eight veneers, 10 veneers, a full mouth, anything, if you can't get a patient to go from one tooth to two teeth to three teeth, right? right. So to me, the first few years of practice are about getting my skills, my fundamental skills good, getting my time and efficiencies good, getting my predictability where I need it, and then getting the communication skills where I need it to be. And, and to me, that would be the majority of where I would focus my time, my mentoring, my CE is on that. Now, let's say we're talking about a seasoned practitioner. You know, for me, what I would look at there is common question along the same lines is, which CE class should I take? And I would say, well, I would always focus on one of two things. One, what I have an interest in. So for me, the first emotional thing that I started in the practice was cosmetic dentistry. Uh, you know, in the early 2000s, it was a pretty much a rage. Not every dentist was doing it, but that was my area because for me, it was relatively straightforward. You know, if you could prep one crown, you can prep 10 crowns, oh. <laughs> you know, kind of, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it took longer, whatever it was. If you can get to a point where you can do two units or three units, you know, the natural progression to 8, 10, 12, 24, 28 uh, teeth was, you know, somewhat of a natural progression there. And then the second thing I focused on was implant dentistry uh, because, you know, quite frankly, I was seeing so many patients that I was referring out. Uh, so to my point there, is I would look at what my market bears. Mm -hmm. In other words, what is my practice needing the most of that fits within what I want to do? Let's say I had a lot of patients in our practice that want partial dentures, but I don't like those. No. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to make a decision to skip that personally. Uh, but I would focus on where the practices are, what you, what the dentist likes to do and what they're referring the most out of. Another thing I skipped was uh, molar endo. That was one of the first things I brought into the practice. So, and, and the way we did that, I don't, you weren't around for this one, Not Meredith. Um, in the beginning, I didn't do any endo. And then I started doing anteriors and premolars, dabbled in that, but was still referring out anything remotely complicated or anything with the molar in it. And then, you know, I was referring out enough to, I said, you know what, let me bring in somebody to do my endos. And that's why okay. I used to bring Dr. Meckler in and he would do my endos and he would literally come one or one or two days a month. Uh, and he would come in with all his equipment and his little uh, travel <laughs> case and he would do the endos and I would schedule six, five or six endos for him each day. And those patients would be scheduled back to back with him for the endo with me for the, the CAD camera crown. Okay. Uh, so, and then what happened was, is the natural progression was I will, I just went and learned and got comfortable with doing molar endo myself. So it's got to be something that number one, you have some passion and some skill in, mm -hmm. and two, it's also got to be something that your practice can support and your practice already has in there. How's now that sound? Dr. Leedy does it all for you. <laughs> right. Well, now, now Dr. Leedy does yeah. the endo. I still do endo. A little some, bit. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, that's kind of the answer there. Okay. 
All right. So our second question is from Dr. Nitesh Nahada. And he is saying, we are in the process of setting payment plans up in our office and wanted to see what the pitfalls were when you started, what worked and didn't work. For instance, how are you financing larger cases? Let's say three grand and up. Are you doing it all in-house, and for what length of time are you doing it interest-free? Thanks in advance for all your help. And I can tell you by reading all of these questions I've been getting, a lot of them are about payment plans. We could probably do a whole day on payment plans. Well, we should then. You yeah, know, we should. This uh, is a specific one I picked out, but we have a lot of questions on the firm financial arrangements. So I think, and that's the key, I think. Um, so let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, so let me start by this, Meredith. So you've been in the office. So now you're directing 3D dentists, and yes. that's your main, you know, in theory, your only <laughs> job now. And me and my wife, yeah. right? <laughs> and my kids. Yeah. <laughs> and my diet. And, and my workouts. And, <laughs> and um, so, uh, but before that, you yeah. spent five years in the practice. Yes. Uh, were we were we already doing payment plans when we, when you came in? Yes, but okay. only like one or two people in the office could do them. Okay, so what 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 is your take on uh, as having been an assistant, having been a front office person, and having been a champion of a product? What is your take on the need for? And I don't want to say payment plans. I want I want to I want to get even more generic in the importance of the way we do firm financial arrangements. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Um, it was so important. If we didn't have firm financial arrangements, I just, it was a mess. Okay. It, it kept everything so clean and organized. The patients were less likely to cancel. They'd already set up um, payment plans. They were less likely. You don't like what I put <laughs> no, on you, do you? <laughs> they were I less likely to, to cancel. To um, they were. It was easier for them to say yes. You know, we're asking mm-hmm. someone to pay five thousand dollars. They would just never mind. But you're saying, oh, it's two hundred fifty dollars a month. It's right. no problem. Right. So, so I think I've got to. I got to get away. Thank you, Meredith. I got to get away from people asking about the payment plans and instead asking about firm financial arrangements, okay? 
the key isn't payment plans, right. okay, or in-office payment plans. Yeah. The key is the concept of firm financial arrangements. And all of that is driven around a financial menu. Yes. Okay. So the financial menu is a transparent sheet that literally gives patients all the choices that are available to them of how they can pay for dentistry. And what I've seen or what we were doing in the beginning uh, is that we were only offering payment plans when people asked for them. We were only going, you know, giving people a, a transparent way to pay. So they left with it uh, other than just the treatment plan. We weren't doing that in the beginning. And so people would, you know, at the end of the day, money is one of the biggest challenges in our practice. So when we went to firm financial arrangements, we saw a significant increase in case acceptance. And this is before the in-office payment yes. plans, okay? So I'm talking the in-office payment plans we probably started in 2010, 11, somewhere in that ballpark. So um, so for the first 10 years, we just did third-party payment plans, okay? And then we saw a big uptick when we had firm financial arrangements because people left with how they can pay for their dentistry, whether they made that decision today or, and, and I would say 60, 70% of our patients make that dis, decision, you know, down the line. They don't make it that day. And they certainly forget um, what options were available to them. So when we went in 2011, 10, 11, when we added the in-office payment plans, we saw another uptick and uh, case acceptance. So um, let, let me kind of explain it the way I'm doing it in my programs now. Um, is so ultimately there's, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how to do this the best way, okay? Um, because usually I have a slide that kind of yeah. shows it all. But really, let's think about it. So what, what I say is, I'm going to say between zero to $1,000. Okay, and the numbers will change, you know, based on people's demographics and stuff. But from zero to $1,000, I'm going to say that's in the budget range of patients can pay for that. Okay, whether they write a check, whether they bring you wads of cash, or whether they do it on a credit card. But I think somewhere in the zero to a thousand dollar ballpark, you know, that's uh, that's affordable for a good number of patients. And truthfully, it's probably closer to zero to five hundred dollars. Okay. And then third party payment plans kind of kick in at the three thousand dollar ballpark. Twenty five hundred, three thousand dollar ballpark is where really third party payment plans kick in. I know that dental patients and dental practices really have a hesitancy to recommend third-party payment plans for $1,000, $1,500, because they just don't, okay? Whether team members don't or they don't or patients don't, they just don't, okay? So what I was seeing was there's a significant gap between that $500,000 ballpark and that $2,500 ballpark when we started going to third-party payment plans. And that gap was missing in our practice. And that's when and that's where I found that in-office payment plans fit the bill for us. And so when we implemented that, we saw a significant increase in that $500 to $2,500 out-of-pocket expense. In our practice, 80% PPO, that's really three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 worth of dentistry to get that you know, 20, up to $2,500 uh, out-of-pocket. And that's where the in-office payment plans really fit in for us. So that's kind of where I, how I kind of look at it. There's the, what's affordable for patients to pay at once, typically zero to $1,000, what 
third party is really good at, let's call it $3,000 and above. And then there's that no man zone or that opportunity zone, which is between that $500,000 ballpark and that $3,000 ballpark. And that's 500, 500, <laughs> 500 to $1,000 yeah. to that $3,000 ballpark. And that's really where we've seen in-office payment plans really take hold. Now, and just for three to six months. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and it's done. So, so what we've done, what I, what I always tell people to do is um, you got to set a low-end limit. In other words, you're not going to give people a six-month payment plans over $100. $100 yeah. you know? So there's got to be a dollar amount. That's right. a minimum, okay? And so then ours is $300. Ours is three dollars $400, yeah. okay? And then there's got to be a top end, okay? Because at the end of the day, we're extending credit okay or we're giving we're becoming the bank with no credit check or anything like that okay so you got to have a top with their email address and address in a a credit card (laughs) you know in a credit card on file and a phone number yeah and that too but so you got to have a top end okay now what i recommend people to do is to start their top end in that 2500 to 3000 dollars ballpark our top end sure. today and our practice is very different than what I would recommend anybody to start to with. To start it. Because I've got eight or nine years of history. I've built up a financial a financial foundation to where I can extend uh, credit to patients. And the last time I looked, I mean, our payment plans are topping a quarter million dollars that I, I am the bank for. Mm-hmm. And I would never recommend anybody to start with that. To start to <laughs> yeah. start like that, okay? Yeah. So so then I also recommend having a top end of how much you're willing to lend out. And so to me, uh, what my top end where I was going to be the bank was ten thousand dollars when I started. And then you got to establish your time frames, whether you're willing to do three months and six months. And that's where I recommend everybody stay in at the beginning. We also do twelve months on select occasions, but for the most part, our wheelhouse is three months, six months, and we always, always require a down payment. Yes. Okay. It's non-negotiable. Before that appointment is scheduled. That's right. So you got to have a down payment. So that way I'm covering some costs. The patient has some skin in the game and we require that down payment before the appointment is scheduled. Yes. Uh, so not like it's these firm financial arrangements aren't made after you do the dentistry or right before you do the dentistry. These are made before you make the appointment. Mm-hmm. And then it all requires a credit card on file uh, using a credit card processor that's automated so that it's just done for you on a regular basis. Um, and to me, the financial menu and then having the ways for patients to pay in those three economic categories, what, what's comfortable for them to pay up front, what's comfortable for them to go into large cases, third party, and that little middle zone where I think uh, given your demographics uh, and the type of dentistry you're doing, you know, like with implants, I mean, what risk are you really taking? You know, implants take four to six months to do. Right. So we'll extend it out for four to six months pretty happily for our patients. So did that answer that one pretty well? Yeah. You sure? Yes. All right. So we do have a question in the comments. Okay, so which one is that so I can put it in there? Um, Dr. Matthew Stanridge. Okay. Right. That's a keto dentist. Yes. You know, he's coming out. Yeah, he's coming to one of the classes, and I follow him on Instagram. I followed him on Instagram before I knew that you guys were friends, too. Yeah. Okay. He asks, what process did you go through to streamline your soap notes and documentation (laughs) for medical billing? (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Well, I think, um, okay, so how do I want to answer this one? I think the key here is don't get caught up in the weeds and the details. And, you know, 
keep it simple, okay? So for me, what I did was I went to Hutan and I said, hey, kind of what are the basic requirements that we need for soap notes to get things through? And then we made our automatic templates in the office around those notes. So our new patient exam has things like face-to-face time, has things like pulse, blood pressure, all of those things built in, you know, head and neck exam, all of those things are built into the standard auto notes that we create so that our team can fill in those details. Uh, so I went through that on the exams. I went through that. The sleep notes, are they're, they're pretty simple because they're almost literally the same every single time minus a few minor details for the patients and then literally as I submitted claims I had a philosophy of just submit the notes that I created and when they weren't good enough I would then resubmit notes they would let us know they would deny the claims say they need more information and then we'd keep track of this what information do they need and then we started re we started rewording or redoing our auto notes within our software to go ahead and cover the majority of these situations. So, you know, for me, that's, that's kind of where it was, as I started with keeping it simple, not trying to get fancy, not trying to make them half page even. I'm just, I'm trying to keep them as short and succinct. And still get as, paid. <laughs> and still get paid, right? Yeah. But I also recognize that I'm not going to fight certain things. Okay. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to get on the phone over little things. I'm not going to do those things, but we also recognize that we have to have certain level of documentation. And that's where for me, Hutan came in uh, super helpful to make that happen. So, uh, so that's kind of how I went through. So let me, let me extend on that a little bit more. Um, And then, so my team, uh, the team members do the notes based on the templates we create. Our sleep champion. Yeah, sleep champion or yeah. Whitney or, you know, the hygienist yeah. on the exams and things like that. So those are all templated forms. But then we also, in our office, we have an in-house medical biller. I don't recommend most people to do that in the beginning, certainly not. Uh, but for us, it made sense because my wife is a medical practitioner and her office is in the same, we practice together. So we needed a medical biller for her office yes. anyway. Um, and so they were outsourcing medical billing or we were doing it actually pretty badly over there. <laughs> so we brought in a dedicated person and we allocated, you know, a little bit of time uh, on our end to take care of that. So that's also on Melissa, who does our medical billing. Uh, we started with Hutan and then Hutan trained Melissa. And uh, so her job is also to make sure we consistently update our notes. And then she'll come to me and says, hey, I need better notes on this. And typically what she does is she doesn't say, hey, can you sit down? Well, she used to say, hey, can you sit down and write them? And I said, listen, that's never going to happen. So I said, why don't you just, why don't I just talk you through what I want to say? And then she'd, she'd write the notes out and then she'd recreate the templates and the forms for us. So that the way new we patient can, forms too. The new patient, you know, just yeah. all the submissions, a letter of medical necessity, all of those things, uh, you know, that, be, that, that came on her to have that done. Okay. And, and that was done that way. All right, well, we will get back to the questions. So this question is um, from an anonymous submitter. It is, you talk a lot about associates to give you the time to practice your pivot. My practice doesn't have the space for an associate and or I'm not ready for an associate. Is this all built around having an associate? It's a great question. And uh, I had you close up just so you know. (laughs) Um, uh, that's a great question. Um, the answer is no, but yes. Okay. 
So I, I keep going back. I didn't have an associate until what you started in 2013. 15. You started in 15. Yeah. I had one then, yeah. right? You had so two I, before that. I think 2000. I think 2013 was when I got my associate. I first started getting associates. And, you know, I went through like 9,000 of them. But uh, I think 2013. So from 2001 through 2013, I didn't have an associate. Okay. But we were doing parts of the practice pivot during that time. And so what happened was I started doing block scheduling. I started saying, this is the type of dentistry I want to do. I started, you know, really catering to what I wanted. But at the same time, I also had to cater to what the practice needed. So I was doing more general dentistry than I wanted to do. Uh, So that's where the associate came in. So let's kind of break this down a little bit. So do you have to have an associate? The answer is no. Okay. It depends on how much you're willing to, like, let walk away, how much you're willing to niche down your practice, which I don't... I personally don't believe a solo dentist should niche down their practice. Uh, many people, there are some people that can do it, but it's a, a little bit of a recipe for potential issues, okay? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't believe in that. I believe that I have a niche practice within our office, but we have multiple providers. So that allows me to get away with it. So um, you can niche down your practice within reason, and you can continue to make that journey towards doing more of the dentistry you want to do. Uh, along that line but if you really want to complete truly get to a point where you're working two three days a week making the revenue that you need to make doing the dentistry you want to do you're going to need an associate now one thing that i want to address in here is the space for an associate so listen the and the parking spots because the number (laughs) of girls will double Well, we there was five of us when I started. And now there's 10. Yeah, 11, and we 10, have 11. no parking spots. Well, that's not our fault. That might be the Gupta side's <laughs> fault a little bit. But, um, you know, I think um, you're going to have to have an associate. But I, w- I want to talk about um, the number of rooms. So in the 80s and 90s, the concept, the, the traditional single dentist needed four rooms, maybe five rooms, okay, to run they're part of the practice. And the, con- the, con- the concept was when you added an associate, you needed another four Seven, or five rooms, rooms yeah. because in other words, you're just adding another practice within your practice. And part of the pivot is moving the dentist down to a single room. So like, for example, I work out of one room pretty much yeah. all the time. Dr. Leedy works out of pretty much one, one room. room. So between the two of us, we share... One extra overflow room. Yeah, we share three rooms yeah. pretty much between us all. Yeah. And then also you got to remember, I'm moving down to three days a week. So I went from five days to four days to three days. And hopefully soon with the third dentist coming in, I can get down <laughs> to two days per week, right? So, so you got to keep that in mind. So by next year, we'll be running three dentists out of seven... Maybe eight room. I might have to get to eight rooms. I might get kicked out. My office yeah, might become office an operatory. Will, your office will probably go away. Um, so I think you can. we can run three dentists out of eight rooms, but you can't run it the traditional PPO way. 
Okay, you just can't. Right. So you got to you got to be getting you got to be doing advanced services. You got to be doing some emotional dentistry. You got to be offering a full range of services. You got to have firm financial arrangements. You got to offer sedation. You got to be able to do more dentistry on less patients. Okay, you got to give your patients a chance to say yes to the best. So you don't need the number of rooms that was traditionally believed that you needed to have. It was it's not four rooms per dentist anymore. At least not in what we're trying to create yeah, for people. We've made that work. Yeah, we've made it work so. very easily. And so listen, yeah. in seven rooms we have two dentists, three hygienists, and a champion. Yeah. Right? A two. sleep champion slash Invisalign champion, right? Yeah. So we're easily making that work in seven rooms. Okay. Yeah. And I would argue that we haven't we probably could do better with just doing sleep in yeah. Invisalign. So we could probably get down to six rooms, to yeah. be quite honest with you. So that's why I'm not worried about bringing the third dentist in with the seven rooms. Yeah, we got to schedule and we got to be tight. Yeah. You know, we got to be firm and we got to be all those things. But that's also part of making the practice fun and not making yeah. it crazy. Although lately it's been crazy, yeah. which is hence why we're bringing in another dentist. So hopefully I answered that question uh, pretty well there. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all-annex fixed hybrids, Mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www3 3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Okay, and another one that I have. This is my favorite of all the questions. Probably. You talk a lot. No. You talk a lot about the importance of team. How do you develop the office culture you are looking for? Ooh, it's a tough one. How would you describe our office culture, Meredith? Um, we're like a family. Okay. Yeah. Is that not is that not usual in work? I mean, not well, this is the only job I've ever had. <laughs> so you don't know any better. Um, but you told me this is not, when I first started. You said you need to go work somewhere else for a couple of days because this yeah. is not normal. Yeah. We all eat lunch together. We have tables out back. We hang out outside we of office. We worked out together on yeah, Friday. We worked out together. We're hanging out on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think... Um, we go on vacations together. <laughs> not all the time, but, you know, we, we A lot do. of some of us girls yeah, do, Yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think um, 
creating an office culture is hard. Okay, especially with a bunch of girls. Well, even <laughs> with know, anyone, with anybody, with you know. Anyone, yeah. I think with anybody. I think the first step is you got to figure out what culture it is you want. Right. Okay, and then you gotta you gotta get there slowly. So for me, my culture evolved on what I wanted, where I wanted to be. That. It's not the same culture today as it was in 2001 or as it was in 2010. And along the way, you have to make difficult decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, difficult decisions that you have to let people go. Difficult decisions where people, to accept that people are going to leave or want to leave mm -hmm. because it's no it's longer... It's not the, for everyone. It's not, or it's not, it doesn't remain for yeah. everyone. Um, and then you have to be firm and clear with people about what you want and then I would tell you that your leader, the practice owner, mm -hmm. and all the dentists and everybody, you have to live it. You, right. you, like, for example, uh, I'm a big believer in being on time, correct? Yes. So I don't show up late. So it's, it's not fair for, for me to expect the team to be on time, but for me to be late. Okay? Right. So it can't work that way. you got to lead by example. You know, I, I believe in, you know, being transparent with people, being upfront. So... I speak my mind to people, mm -hmm. but I also allow them to speak their mind back to me. Yes. You know, it can't be a one-way street, you know. Um, I want people to get to know my family, so I got to get to know their family. Right. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's got to be, you got to live it and breathe it. And then I think you just got to be upfront with people. I tell people that we don't clock in, we don't clock out. Uh, it's Sunday night and you're here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think you wanted to work out with us on Friday. You for, he forgot his shoes. Right. Well, but, I had uh, dress shoes. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to leave and go to the beach, but you stayed. I did. Because, because you knew all of us were there. Well, because what kind of leader would I right. be if, if you guys made time to arrange for a workout company to come to us? Right. And how would it reflect on me to them, to right. F45? Right. Right. Oh, your owner's not here, but right. our owner is here. Yeah. And we're leading this, you know, and when your team sees you do it, they say, well, maybe we should do it too. Right. right. So I think you got to lead by example. For and sure. Caroline was out there in a sweater. Yes. You know, <laughs> no excuses. I was out there in dress shoes <laughs> yeah. and all of that. So, you know, that's certainly, um, that's certainly, I want to make sure I'm not missing my wife complaining about me for something. <laughs> I want to cut her from the video she posted of me today. <laughs> but, um, you know, you got to live that culture. And he, here's the number one piece of advice I'll give to everybody about creating a culture. Um, require your team members to sit down and talk to you on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Okay. And 70% of the time, it can't be about the office or work. It's got to be about just life in general. And what happens is you develop a rapport with people, you understand who they are, what, what they've got going on, and all of those things. And that is when you start connecting with people. That is when you start developing a relationship, not inappropriate, but you start developing a, a connection. Yeah. And people want to fight and be a part of people they trust and believe in, and people that they're friendly with. And, uh, that's always been my secret is that I just talk to people. Uh, sometimes I call them, I have to put my daddy pants on and I got to be the boss. But yes. most often it's just about where we are here and there. Uh, so to me, that's always been so important to me is to just sit down and talk to people where they want to be in life, what's going on in their life. You know, how does this office fit into their life? And it's amazing some of the dumb things people will tell you that yeah. they shouldn't tell you. And it's amazing how, how 
how much insight people will give you uh, that will be unbelievably important uh, to help you develop great people around you. So to me, that would be the number one piece of advice I'd give to people about establishing a culture yeah. is, is to just talk to people. And investing in people, sending them to oh, learn, yeah. to do more. Yeah, that's a given, right? Yeah. That's, that, that's about uh, asking people, right? Right. You know, like I asked you. Like, hey, what is your goal? Where do you want to be? And you, I created a culture where you could come to me and say, hey, Not here. I, I don't want to be in the front anymore. Okay? Yeah. I want to kind of get back to clinical. But, you know, and I said, okay, well, let's, that's not right now. We can't do that. But let's establish a plan to get you there. Right. Yeah. And so to me, that's part of the having that conversation and creating that culture. Because, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't want to lose good people. And sometimes good people will tell you, hey, I'm feeling like I'm hitting the ceiling or I'm feeling that I'm, I want to try something different. And we go with it. Let's use Michelle, for example. You know, she wanted to, she said, I don't want to do the administrative part. I want to be on the business team. I want to be on the clinical team. <laughs> and I developed enough of a rapport with her. I said, you're nuts. Yeah. That's not where you're, that's not where you're going to be strongest. I said, why don't we experiment for one year in this position? Right. If after nine months to a year, you're not excelling, you're not loving it, we can look at what it will take to bring you back to the clinical area. Yeah. And, and, and she doesn't want to go back there now. No. You know, at least I don't think so. No, she doesn't. So, um, you know, th- that's, that's the important part. And th- that's, that's uh, and then investing in time. You know, we just sent Jesse and Michelle to a class. We sent Liz to a class. You know, we sent Megan. We, we just, we send people to training. That's part of, and that's what makes 3D Dentist so good is so much of our training is built around having team members there because so much of what allowed me to be successful is getting over that control freakness of me. You should ask Liz what I was like <laughs> in the first five years, you know, th- you know, four or five she years. She tells us. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was a control freak. Yeah. And it limited my ability to grow. And a lot of people that come the team members that come to the courses say that about their doctors how yeah. can they get them to not be a control freak and so it's cool for them to be able to talk to us for them to be able to talk to liz so liz can say oh let me just tell yeah. you you know yeah. so they know they're not the only ones but so much of that is is team members are afraid of the doctors yeah and it shouldn't be that right. way or we saw that at the assistance panel yeah, absolutely or doctors yeah. are afraid of their team members yeah. sometimes yeah. you know so it, it doesn't need to be that way so. yes we got anything else? Well, I think those are all the questions that we have for this one. I have some saved for our next okay. Q&A, but I think we should do one on just on payment plans. We too. do. Yeah. Alex Nudell says he wants yeah. to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex, uh, you'll have to come to the studio yeah. and not keep me out eating dinner till 11 o'clock at night. You guys went to Piper's. I right? know, but... We could do it live from Piper's. We, <laughs> yeah. It'd be so loud. It'd be so loud. And I'd be the only one not drinking anything. Yes. So... Um, and then Aubrey did say that uh, uh, this is great advice, and she said you did a good job, Meredith Thanks, Cooper Aubrey. Jones. <laughs> it's, I still have a hard time calling you Meredith Jones, I know. but it's, everyone will. You know. But uh, so we want to thank Aubrey for her great help, and we love working with Team BioHorizons in the office. So, yes. uh, so that's kind of uh, it for today, I think. Yes. You know, um, uh, w- you know, we live in a review economy. Reviews are so important to growing our business, to showing up on Google, showing up on Yelp, showing up on iTunes. Uh, reviews are super important for our podcast. Uh, so if you guys can leave me a review on iTunes, I would love it. Uh, honest review and feedback about how much you like or don't like the podcast. That would be great. Uh, and if we read your review on, on, on air, we'll send you a little bag. Yes, basket of some goodies. Yeah, I don't know what's in it. 
So I let some Mer- 3D swag. I let Meredith. Yeah. <laughs> I let Meredith deal with that, and then uh, of course uh, all of our podcast is brought to you by 3D Dentists. Uh, we have an amazing team, Aaron Elliott, Sully Sullivan, Hutan, John Puschnitz, <laughs> Brian McGue. We have a great team yes, of instructors that are practicing dentists that run traditional dental practices and provide a good uh, balance of clinical knowledge with business excellence for, for rapid implementation. And I think that's where we stand out. So we'd love to have you guys learn more about our training programs and go for there. So anything else on your end, Meredith? No, just continue to submit your questions to asktbone.com or you can email me at meredith at 3d-dentist.com. All right, everybody have a Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.